More and more people are moving to cities, and that's going to affect almost every industry. We are very cautious and very aware to make a conscious effort to work with the ecosystem. What can the average person do to take action now? Not one person can change the world, but if we all do a little something different, it might help. Being open to embracing innovation. Know that you can make a difference. A absolutely. There's no excuse not to even do a little bit. Let's go check it out. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Going Green. We are talking to an awesome person, a San Diego resident here, just down the street from us, very excited. She's done and is doing some amazing things in the biotech space. So without further ado, Rebecca Boudreaux, the president of Oberon, is on the show with us today. Rebecca, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for the invite, Dylan. It's great to chat with you. Yeah, so we were talking before this and you have an amazing story. So do you kind of want to just take it from, you know, what you're mentioning about like the college days, starting up the business and how that sort of led to what you're working on today? Yeah, so, uh, so I grew up in South Louisiana and during my graduate studies, um, I'm actually trained as a polymer chemist. Uh, and so we, I make materials, uh, that's what I do. And during my graduate study, I co-founded a biotech company with three of my colleagues. And we were focused on developing new materials that could treat cancer better, polymer drug delivery in the area. Uh, so we built out that company. Um, and after four years, I sold my stake in it. And after finally finishing my graduate studies, moved out to San Diego because I heard it was a great place to live. I uh, love the innovative sphere there and didn't know anyone and didn't have a job, uh, but knew I wanted to get back in early stage companies. And so over the course of a couple of years, I consulted with early stage companies and market development, various aspects, and met the founders of Oberon Fuels uh, when it was only five months old. So I joined the team and uh, now have been with them over nine years. Wow. I mean, that to me is like the ultimate encapsulation of what the American dream is. Like you're going to school, you're studying, you start a business at the same time, and you're also trying to solve cancer. Like it doesn't get much better than that, honestly. And then you sold your share and you moved to one of the most beautiful places in the planet. Like, congratulations. That's, that's a really great, you know, great thing that you've done and you should be really proud of yourself. And then I love how you just kind of came out and were like, I'll figure something out when I get here. Um, so how, what was the story behind Oberon and how did you kind of find this team and what led you to them and how did that all come together? Yeah, so, uh, so I met the Oberon team uh, through the entrepreneurial community in San Diego. Uh, and so be, uh, being new to the area, I really tried to integrate myself into the community. I started the local chapter, the startup leadership program, or really invest in entrepreneurs and trying to give them the hard and soft skills they need to start and build a business. And met one of the founders of Oberon because he actually came to speak to our group um, and stayed in touch. And because I was consulting, there was the opportunity with Oberon just getting started to focus initially on business development. Um, and so when um, I came in, they had a technology to take various waste streams, particularly wastewater treatment gas, and convert it to this molecule called DME or dimethyl ether um, on a, a small scale. And DME is a step before you make gasoline. But DME, they had heard, is a great diesel replacement. There was a lot of research done on it. Um, and so when I joined the team, they said, okay, we have this interesting technology, this interesting molecule, but there's no market for it and no regulations for it, so go. <laughs> and that's where I took off on leading the business development and partnering efforts and creating the regulations for doing this appeal. 
Wow. And so what are some of like the practical applications where you kind of, are you guys already now selling in, in the market or is it still being developed? I so we're still pre-commercial. So I actually, Dylan, I brought some DME with me today. Uh, in a pre-COVID world, I would have given you your own molecule, uh, but we'll just have to wait yeah. <laughs> so we can meet in person. Uh, but this is actually DME. Um, and so I don't carry it around just because I'm a chemist. Uh, but this is actually carbon, oxygen, and then the whites are hydrogens. And why that's important is it actually tells what it can do. Uh, so DME can actually decarbonize transportation in three ways. Uh, so it's a diesel replacement. So because there's no direct bond between the two carbons, when it combusts in a diesel engine, there's no soot. Uh, so that improved in air quality. So the black smoke you see, to see out of a big rig driving down the road, doesn't happen when DME is in the diesel engine. Uh, the second thing we can do is DME can be blended with propane to reduce its carbon intensity. So propane is used just in California alone, probably about 65 million gallons of propane are used in vehicles, school buses, police cars, uh, and forklifts. Uh, so you can reduce the carbon intensity, same molecule, blend up to 20%. And the third way is um, as a hydrogen carrier. So these hydrogens on the side, hydrogen, when not attached to something, it's, it's difficult to move. It's not very energy dense. So the DME is an easy way to transport it. And then it can power hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles. So one molecule can be used in three markets. Wow, that's so cool. I mean, I think what's amazing right now and what you guys are doing is that we're seeing such a change in um, transportation industry. You know, people are really concerned and really want to push, you know, more environmentally friendly transportation, whether it's electric cars or like you said, just different fuel types that don't emit as much, you know, stuff. I, I don't even know the, ter the terminology. I'm sure you do. And you're like, you could probably go on all day, but that's amazing. And I, I can totally see how, you know, this is going to take off. And it's, it's exciting to see that, um, you know, a company in San Diego is doing such great things. And for those of you who don't know, um, and I didn't know this before I moved to San Diego, there's a really big startup scene, entrepreneur scene here. It's not just, you know, beaches and burritos and surfing. Um, and that's what I was really drawn to when I first moved here. And I, the reason why I stayed, um, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, you know, small businesses, entrepreneurs really push, you know, a lot of change because in the end, you know, dollars are a vote. And if, you know, people and, and mass amounts of people are changing the way they're consuming things, companies take notice. Um, so what is, uh, what is kind of your drive in the entrepreneurial sense, like from, you know, your college days to now, what, what's the reason that you are sort of drawn to that area of work? I love it because it's an opportunity to use my scientific skills, leverage those uh, to make the world a better place. And Oberon in particular, uh, we're focused on challenging the status quo to enhance lives and energize the world. So the way we're doing it is through the DME molecule, but it fits into my core desire to use my scientific skills uh, to solve really big global problems. Um, and so we just, you know, I've had the opportunity to do that at Oberon and people often say, well, you're a chemist, how, how does this even translate to what you do today? But what science has taught me is to solve really difficult problems. In graduate school, I was making a new material to try to get DNA into cells. Uh, and so that was really hard. I had to use, learn new terminology and figure it out because no one had done it before. 
but in my role today, I had to create regulations for DNA as a fuel. No one had done it before. And, but it's a hard problem with different terminology, different language, but my scientific training helped me figure it out. And so that's what I love about the innovative space is being able to leverage that to solve problems that really matter. Yeah, that's great because, you know, when you have the chemist side of your brain working, that's one, you know, strong skill set to have in itself. Then the business mindset of, okay, how can we not only take this technology and information and apply it to the market and then actually, you know, building it, scaling it, selling it is a whole other skill set. And I really do think that the people that do make the biggest changes are the most successful, are these people who have these kind of two different skill sets and can combine them to create a new business or a new product and then scale it up. Um, that's super cool. And then what was the process of the regulations? Like how did, you know, what was it like navigating that space? Because I'm sure there's so much you had to deal with and learn and, and apply and then sort of alter the business plan and things like that for Oberon. So what was that like? Yeah, so starting off, as I previously mentioned, there were no regulations for DME as a fuel when we started because no one had done it before. Uh, so uh, we figured out at the United States and the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency level, that uh, the regulations, okay, we didn't have to register our fuel in those what's called Part 79. But the state of California, we approached them and we couldn't honestly figure out how to certify a new fuel. And so when we approached them, they said, well, actually, we haven't certified a new fuel since the early 1990s. Uh, so there is not a pathway today for you, uh, but we will help you. We'll create a pathway for you. Um, so they created a pathway, and we followed that. We had to create an international consensus standard. Basically, a body has to agree on when we make this molecule, what it needs to look like, the purity and things like that. Uh, so we did that, and then in 2015, uh, the California Department of Food and Agriculture changed the code of regulations to allow us to legally sell it. So, you know, that, you know, okay, now we can sell the fuel, but there's just all these different pieces. I mean, just to give you a current example, um, the way our fuel is taxed, so taxes aren't the, the sexiest thing to talk about, right? But the way our fuel is currently being taxed under this umbrella tax actually overtaxes it against other alternative fuels. Uh, so we have uh, our assembly member, Eduardo Garcia, who represents where our production plant is in Imperial Valley. He's carrying legislation that would put us on par uh, with other alternative fuels. The assembly bill 2663 right now. So it made through the assembly floor, actually bipartisan support through two committees and then the California assembly, and now goes to California Senate uh, next month. So it's just, you know, it's just like peeling an onion, you know, one thing at a time. Um, that we go through, but just every step that we take is huge in getting towards commercialization, getting this fuel out there to reduce emissions, but also creating opportunity. Um, and the job opportunity aspect is really important, and especially in this day and time. And you know, even with COVID ongoing, uh, we hired two executives in April, and we're hiring nine plant operators where our fuel is produced in a region that has 27% unemployment right now. Yeah. I mean, I imagine, you know, as a, as a business, there's so many little wins, little losses throughout the day. But when that moment happened where you officially got passed, I'm sure that was like a pretty exciting moment in the business. Did you face any kind of hurdles or like backlash? Because I imagine 
you know, the, it's a big industry you're kind of going up against and challenging and it's been around for quite some time and has deep pockets. Did you run into any sort of pushback in any way? Yes, it's definitely, it's definitely been challenges. And I think a lot of the challenge has been around doing something completely new and educating folks and trying to get them to do something that's not what they currently do. And so every step of the way, we've had to work with people across the supply chain and in different bodies like the regulations, right? It hadn't been done before. And the folks with whom we work in the state of California, the California Resources Board, other California Department of Food and Ag, they've all been great partners. We had to work together and we had to educate them on DNA. And all of this just takes time and persistence um, in figuring out how we can innovate together. So I would say that the biggest challenge for us is on the education front. And we were privately funded until we won our first public funding from the state of California last year. We received a $2.9 million grant from the California Energy Commission. And it took a long time. First, we had to be able to even compete uh, in the grant. So the education around that and then find the right opportunity. I mean, getting them comfortable around this, this different molecule that we could actually reach commercialization. So education uh, has been a big hurdle, um, but you know, almost 10 years in, I think we've made great headway. Yes, I mean, you clearly are because you're hitting these amazing milestones and that's kind of you know, a proof of concept right there. Um, what are you guys doing for the educational side of things? Yeah, so edu the educational part, you know, um, personally, um, as a woman in science, I like to, you know, on STEM type education opportunities when I can get out there, I do uh, speak with uh, folks, especially, especially middle school and high school students about uh, science and the importance of it. But, uh, you know, as an organization, as a company, we do go out, uh, used to be in-person speaking, <laughs> right now it's all virtual. Uh, but just talking about, you know, what DME is an opportunity, because we actually, the feedstock which we make it are waste streams. Uh, things like dairy manure. So I know a lot about cow manure, you know, more than any human should know. Uh, dairy manure, landfill gas, food waste, these types of things, an opportunity for this circular economy of taking a waste stream, making fuel out of it, and just creating that um, circular economy. So, you know, we just try to talk about the molecule and then often you know we, we we give out the molecules at least it comes back to like oh what what is this and then it's also a, a good back massage oh, nice <laughs> that's awesome so wow really cool and i mean that's that's so important especially educating and inspiring people at a young age um i still remember you know teachers i had uh lectures i went to being inspired by people that i looked up to that sort of helped me find the path that I'm on today and really all it does take is you know meeting one person being inspired and saying that's what I want to do for the next you know 20 years 30 years or the rest of my life um where do you see kind of the future of not only Oberon but really the entire industry that you guys are a part of yeah so when you look at the whole clean tech industry I think you know you know while people in some ways have because of the global pandemic, take their eye off of, well, this is clean energy, I don't know how it's related. I'm hearing a growing conversation around people recognizing the link between clean energy and job creation, right? That's a huge part of it, right? So as we try to get people back to work, what better way to do it than giving them economic opportunity, but also helping them clear the air where they live, right? So 
So a great opportunity to put people back to work in manufacturing type jobs um, and a, a really across the spectrum type of, of work. And the other thing is hearing about, I think there's a huge opportunity in clean tech, people starting to understand clean energy and the link to human health. And so with uh, particularly looking at COVID, uh, people recognizing that what people have said before, there's a link between air pollution, increased in asthma rates, but now seeing that people who are in highly polluted areas, there's actually a Harvard study talking about this, this makes them more susceptible uh, to diseases like COVID, right? So we need to clear the air and decrease air pollution for the, the benefit of having healthier individuals, more resilient individuals and communities um, going forward. And so recognizing that connection, what a crucial role the industry plays in job creation and human health. Yeah, and you touched on this earlier, just really how it's so connected, you know, and sustainability is not just fixing one thing, it's how everything in the, essentially the entire market, the entire economy, every industry connects together. Um, I guess my last question is, you know, this has been fascinating and, and we definitely have to dive deeper. I'd love to have you come down to our studio and talk in person now that quarantine's a little bit lifted. <laughs> For those listening or watching, we're on Zoom, obviously we're still sort of in that, the last phases of that. Um, but what can, you know, the average person do to kind of support you guys, support this industry, get involved? I mean, not everyone, unfortunately, is a scientist slash entrepreneur inventing, you know, new fuels. But I do think, you know, everyone can make a little bit of a difference, a little bit of an effort. Um, so what's something that, you know, the average person listening and watching could do to support you guys and just get involved? Yeah, I, one thing that I think that everybody can do is contact your local, state, and federal representatives, right? Wherever you live, you're represented by a variety of elected officials who, who need to listen to your voice. And as we look um, to get people back to work um, and trying to create opportunity for everyone, uh, have them invest in clean energy jobs, uh, invest across the spectrum, you know, research and innovation funding. I mean, that's where last year, the state of California, as I mentioned, put almost $3 million into our company, and that's creating uh, over a dozen permanent jobs as our head of household jobs, and that will leverage to even more. Um, so having your our elected officials invest in research and innovation, and also clean energy jobs, energy efficiency, uh, building a clean energy fueling infrastructure, all of these things are very important, and each of us, even if you're not an expert in this space, wherever you are, uh, in the community can voice to your officials the importance of clean air and the importance of human health. And that's also something that resonates with everyone and everyone deserves that opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Last question. I know I said the last question was the last question, um, but for someone who's kind of in the private space, but also working with the government, like, do you think, and I don't mean to put you on the spot and you don't have to answer it. Like we can even cut this out if we need to, um, but do elected officials actually listen like do they do they pick up their phone do they read those emails and do they take that seriously absolutely they listen um, and so i can't say that for every elected official uh, but we've been very fortunate to have elected officials who listen to us so we're a small company right we're an innovative company we we aren't generating huge tax revenue for different regions at this point in time hopefully we will uh, but I can give you an example. Um, our assembly member, Eduardo Garcia, who represents where our plant is in the Hero Valley, 
has been a huge support to us because we run into hurdles that people don't mean to put in place for us. But I gave the example earlier on taxation, you know, trying to, um, you know, figure out just to be on parity. We just want to compete equally with others. And he authored legislation and is carrying it through the California Assembly, now we're the California Senate. So he has listened to us for years and been extraordinarily supportive. Uh, looking to get Americans back to work. Um, I'm part of an organization, Environmental Entrepreneurs, E2, and it's a nonpartisan group that focuses on clean energy. Uh, it's good for the environment and good for the And so we've talked with now four, um, they've been talking with federal officials as we look on what's the next step in investing to get people back to work. And I've been um, on a Zoom call uh, with our Congressman Scott Peters. Uh, he sits on the subcommittee that oversees energy and very engaged in trying to understand from stakeholders, you know, what helps them, what moves the ball for, what are our challenges. And so uh, we are very fortunate to have such wonderful elected officials dedicated to their job and they take it very seriously. That's great. And honestly, I've taken up a lot of your time. You've answered some amazing questions. One thing you touched on, which I think is really important and something we kind of stress in Going Green is just the nonpartisan side of everything. Like, you know, and, and that's really what Going Green is built on. There's a lot of people on both sides who have issues with one thing or the other. Um, but I think no matter what, you know, we all realize that we need to make the environment as clean, as good as we possibly can. And also if we can, like you said, create jobs, um, at the same time, it's really win-win for everyone. It's not a it's not a Democrat Republican issue. It's something right. that we can all get behind and really put the politics aside and work together. Uh, Rebecca, that was amazing talking with you. Seriously, we'll have to get you back on the show soon when we're back in person in studio because I want one of those uh, <laughs> molecules because I could use a back massage. It's been a stressful <laughs> couple months. Like, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Thank you so much again. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Dylan. Yeah, and to everyone listening, be sure to just follow Oberon and their story and support them in any way that you can and just do your part. Um, reach out to the people that Rebecca mentioned. It does make a difference, which is honestly great to hear. You know, it's nice to, nice to know that, you know, our calls, our emails are being read, being answered. Um, and again, we'll We'll see you next week on another episode of Going Green and thank you for tuning in.